0: This past week <clears throat> this past week in churches all across the world people came to have a little smudge of ash put on their forehead and to hear again the words of God spoken to Adam just outside the garden remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return Remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. I've said several times before that the word remember in Hebrew is a much richer word than it is in English or in most modern languages. For us, when we say remember, we, we simply call to mind. We, we, we think of the past in a mindful sense. For the ancients, it was much more than that. To to remember was literally to bring the past, to bring the the, the power of the past into the present, to make it effective right now. So to say, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return, is more than just saying, well, remember you're going to die, folks. I mean, I can say that. You all know that. You you don't need to be told that. But it's, it's not something that you think about often. It's not something that probably influences your life very much until you start to get to be my age and then you start thinking about it more. But what happens on Ash Wednesday is something different or what should happen. You're told, remember that you are dust. Bring that consciousness into the present. Let it shape your life, who you are right now, that you're aware that you have no being apart from God. You simply simply have your being in God's love, in God's care. And apart from that, you just die. You what? You return to dust. So you're called upon in in that memory, if you will, not just to remember you're going to die, but to bring that, that consciousness into the present and carry it with you every day, certainly all through Lent, but actually every day of your life, to carry it through with you. You are mortal. God is eternal. And only God, only God, in the end, can give you life. Only God. Well, I mentioned that partly because it happened this week. This is the first week in Lent. But also because in our lessons today, the word remember is used five times. Five times. Twice in the first lesson and three times in the psalm. Three times in the psalm. The first lesson, of course, is is from immediately after the flood. You remember, the flood had happened. All, All of creation had been destroyed except for Noah and his sons and the creatures that he had with him on the ark. And the flood finally abated. Noah found a place on the land, offered a sacrifice to God, and God made a promise he said to Noah, I'll never again, never again destroy the whole earth by a flood. I, I make you this promise, this covenant, I'll never destroy it again by the flood. And he said, I'm putting a rainbow in the sky, and whenever I, or you for that matter, see the rainbow, you know that I have this covenant. I will remember, remember my covenant that I'll never again send a flood to destroy the whole earth. Well, it, 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 it was clever of God to use a rainbow because we all know that when the rainbow comes, the rain's over, right? So that, that, was, that was a good idea on God's part. But more than that, it's, it's not just to know that the rain's over, but whenever the rain is over, you see the rainbow and what? Do you just remember that God put the rainbow there 5,000, 7,000, 20 million years ago? No. God is actively caring for, preserving his earth right now, today. I'll remember my promise to you. That's what he's saying. In, in remembering that promise, he takes care, not just back then, but right now. Yeah. Am I making sense, folks? Nod your heads, please. Yeah, okay, okay. Bringing that promise into the very present He cares for us now, right now. He cares for the whole earth right now. He will not let it be destroyed right now. That's his promise. I promise that I'll remember my covenant. And it will be be a living covenant, present. Whenever you see the rainbow, you know that God is present, taking care of his earth. So that's from the Old Testament. The psalm, however uses the word remember three different times. You only see it twice, but it's actually there three times. It's because of the way it's translated. The psalm is is a lovely psalm from Psalm 25. It's a prayer. A prayer of trust. In fact, he says uh, to you I lift up my soul in trust. And and the word trust is used twice. The, the, The writer of the psalm trusts in the Lord. He He asked the Lord to save him. That word is used twice. Save me, save me from my enemies, save me from the shame that my enemies would would put upon me. Save me. And then teach me, he said. And the word teach is used twice. Teach me, teach teach me, teach me your ways. Teach me your way of truth that I might know it and walk in it. So so he's praying for, for protection from his enemies. And for for, for learning, for, for knowing what to do in life. Teach me your way that I might walk in it. Huh? But then verses six and seven, that's where where the meat of it comes and where the power comes, because that's where he said, that's what he said right here. He says, Remember, O Lord, your kindness and constant love, which you have shown from long ago. Forgive the sins of my youth. Actually, that's do not remember. That's the word is used again. Do not remember the sins of my youth or sins or errors of my youth in your constant love and goodness. Remember me, Lord. Right now, in this day, in this hour, come with your power and take care of me, save me, teach me right now. Remember me. And the words there are so important. He says... Remember, O oh Lord, your kindness and constant love. Your kind, that can also be translated your mercy and steadfast love in the older translations. Your mercy. You know what that word comes from? What the root of that word is in Hebrew? Mercy. It's womb. <laughs> a woman's womb. That's the root of the word. Womb. Why, why would it come from there? Because of a mother's love. A mother's love for her unborn, know? Huh? A mother, mother loves her children. She loves the one she carries in her womb. So God loves us with that same kind of motherly, or we can say fatherly, parental love. Huh? Ah, that's what mercy is. Remember, oh Lord, your, your, your mercy, your kindness, and your constant love, your steadfast love, which you have shown from long ago. That steadfast love, it's, it's covenant love. You've promised to love, and, and you will be faithful to your promise. Hmm? And do you know where, that, where, the, where what the, the, the psalmist is thinking about when he says that? He didn't just dream up these words. He, he, he's thinking of something very specific. He's going back to the 34th chapter of Exodus. That's, that's the story of Moses bringing the Ten Commandments down Sinai for the second time. You remember that? The first time Moses brought the commandments down the mountain, and what did he see? The people were, were carrying on, worshiping the golden calf, and Moses got so angry, what did he do? He smashed the, the, the tablets, the Ten Commandments. He smashed them, he was so So then he had to go back up the hill a second time, and the second time God gave him the commandments. And this is a wonderful, wonderful little passage here, and I'm, I'm going to share it with you when God gives him the commandments, and then he passed before him, passed before him, and he said, the Lord, the Lord, a God, this is God speaking now, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, yet by no means clearing the guilty, but visiting the iniquity of parents upon children and children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. He said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, I pray, let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, pardon our iniquity and our sin And take us for your inheritance. Then God said, Listen to this. I thereby make a covenant. Before all your people, I will perform marvels, such as have not been performed in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you live shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. What was the psalmist calling to mind? What was he, what was he, what was he, what's this, remember? Remember how God promised when he brought us out of Israel. When he, when he, when he brought the commandments down, what did he do? He promised to keep a covenant with us. He promised to do miracles and work wonders and to be with us always, never to leave us. That's his promise. And, and the psalmist is saying, God, it's almost like, God, I'm going to hold you to this promise. Huh? You made a promise now, you stick with it. You stick with it. Stick with me. Huh? Help me when my enemies are after me. Teach me your way. I'm, I'm counting on you to be here present with me because you've promised to be present with me. That's, he's remembering, huh? He said, God, you remember too. You remember. You said it. You remember it. Make it present right now. Keep your promise in my presence right now. And when you are tempted, when you pray, when things go wrong in your life, you have every right to do the same thing, okay? You can do, God, remember your promises. But we, we can go one step further. You see, we don't have just the book of Exodus. We have the whole, the whole New Testament, all the Gospels. We can say, God, remember the promises you made to us in Jesus Christ. You promised to forgive us, to heal us, to love us, to bring us safely into your kingdom. Remember your promises. And we also remember those promises. Now again, what am I saying to you? Think about it. Am I just saying, well, yeah, remember that Jesus did a lot of things 2,000 years ago. Am I saying that? No. I'm saying, let those promises be alive in your heart right now. That's what remembering means. That he's for you right now. Not just a long time ago, but right now. He's the God, the Savior, who lives for you right now in the midst of all your trials, all your troubles, whatever's going on in your life. He's for you right now. That's what to remember means. Remember, O Lord, remember. And you know, it's it's interesting because, because in the church, one of the places that comes up every week is where? Right up here. On the night before he died, Jesus took bread and wine, gave it to his disciples, and then he said, do this in remembrance of me. Do this for the remembrance of me. Do this in remembering me, however you want to translate it. Do this for my remembrance. Now, we can differ the way we understand the Lord's Supper. I want to go there. But one thing I don't think we can differ on, he's saying in some way, let this, let this thing that happened a long time ago come into the present, huh? And I will be in your midst. I will be with you. That's what it, to remember means, to not just call to mind. That's too easy. No, it, it, it's to bring into the present those promises because they're for the present. They're for you right now. For you right now. This is my body given for you. Right now, today, this is the blood of my covenant, my promise given for you. Right now, today, it goes beyond that even. In the second lesson we read today, now the word "the word uh, remember" is not used there, but it is interesting that it says it talks about Noah and the water and the flood, and then it says baptism now saves you, not as a washing away of dirt, but as an, one way to translate an appeal to God for a clear conscience. I, th- I think that's a way to say appeal to God, appeal to God to remember, remember what He did for you in baptism. Whether you were baptized at twenty days or twenty years or whatever, He promised to be your God in baptism. Remember, you remember; He's to remember as well. Remember, Martin Luther is is well known for, for whenever people came to him, oftentimes in severe doubt, sometimes. This is not a question that bothers us, I don't think, but they often wondered if they were predestined. And Luther said, remember your baptism. In fact, he has this wonderful quote. He said, what do I care whether I'm predestined or not? I've been baptized. I've been baptized. God has made promises to me. And I remember them. It, you know, some people say... And here again, I don't want to go too far on this, but you know, if you're baptized in an infant, you say, well, I can't remember that. That's not the kind of memory we're talking about. We're not talking about whether you actually remember your baptism. I don't, remember the day the water was sprinkled on you and you were six days old? No, you don't remember that. But remember that you are baptized. Your family and friends were there to witness it. Now, many of you were baptized when you were 8 or 10 or 15 or 20, whatever. That's fine, too. You can, you can remember in this sense But that's not the most important sense. The most important sense is to call that baptism into into the present right now and hang on to it. Remember, remember, O Lord, your kindness and constant mercy.
1: I began by talking about
0: uh, uh, the ashes on Ash Wednesday, and that's where I want to end, too. In my own ministry over the last many years, Uh, In in my church back home, at least, we used ashes, and we had an ash service. And uh, uh, so many times, marking the cross on people's foreheads and saying, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Remember, make this a part of your life. But one of the things I also did and I, I think it's extremely important, is that at the end of the service, <clears throat> as the canticle at the end of the service, I always wanted to use Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Because that has the wonderful words, just wonderful words. The 14th verse, I think it is, where it says, God remembers that you were dust. Think of that. You're told to remember that you were dust. But God remembers that you are dust. God doesn't remember that you're a superman or a superwoman. Uh, God remembers that you're dust. God knows exactly who you are. God knows exactly what your needs are. God knows exactly that you you live a life of temptation, that you're you're a broken, sinful person. God knows all of that. And yet, God loves you. Has come to you in Jesus Christ. I want to end with that, that, that part of the psalm because it, it's, it's such a powerful, powerful passage. In Psalm 103, and you'll recognize some of the language. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins or repay us according to our iniquities. Aren't those good words? For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions, our sins from us. As a father has compassion for his children, or we could say a mother, as a mother has compassion for her children. So the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. Here it is. For he knows how we are made. He knows how we are made. He remembers that we are dust. He knows who we are. As for mortals, their days are like grass. That's all of us. They flourish like a flower in the field. The wind passes over it and it is gone. Its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children. Think of that in in comparison to the other verse I read where it said, remembering the sins of the third and fourth generation. Now he says, he says, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember Remember to do his commandments. Amen.